0: Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. Thrilled to be here with you this morning. I have devastating news. I know we promised you last week that Dr. Jonathan Tarbox would be with us live this morning and we have to walk that back. Now, whenever we have our wonderful experts that we book to be on the show, it's always with the asterisk that these are amazing people and sometimes they're called away to be someplace else that is important, right? And we just have to acknowledge that. And unfortunately, Dr. Tarbox has been called away this morning. He has promised that he will reschedule and we have promised that we love him and respect that sometimes there are other places you have to be, right? So... we will have him on again. And for those of you who are turning it, tuning in just to see Dr. Tarbox, I know the dis- disappointment is large because he is amazing. But I want to point out that we have tons of videos of Dr. Tarbox on YouTube to hold you over until we have the real deal. And he's worth waiting for the real deal, but there are tons and tons of videos with him. If you're like, oh, I just can't stand it. I really got to have my uh, Dr. Tarbox fixed today. I understand that because you know I'm the biggest fan. Uh, But in any case, we have a lot to talk about today and most especially what you guys have in mind. So uh, please feel free. We are live right now. It is Monday, the 14th of March, 2022. Please feel free to be writing in in the chat right now and let us know if if you have questions about things or, um, you know, sometimes if it's just a question, I might be able to refer you to the exact video where Dr. Tarbox has previously answered that question on the show. That's entirely possible. Uh, Parker's here. Uh, Parker said he watched the Chuck E. Cheese video with Dr. Tarbox in it. He's so well-spoken and he sure knows what he's doing. Amen to that, Parker. That is the absolute truth. And that's just one of many videos he, you know, there are so many things to love about Dr. Tarbox, but I think one of the ones that I love the most is that he's coming from that place of let's, you, you know, the perspective taking place of let's look at this and see What's true and fair and right, and that aligns with your moral compass. He's he's all about that. Good morning, Ka, and hello to Mohib. Mohib, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, You know, I I love that Dr. Tarbox. um, You know, he's a big fan of ACT, acceptance commitment therapy, and um, and and being allowing yourself to have your feelings, whatever they are. That is a really wonderful thing. Denise LaForce Ryan. And I you missed the part, Denise, where I just said that unfortunately Dr. Tarbox is unable to join us today and has been called away. So he will reschedule if you've come just for for Dr. Tarbox, I'm so sorry to disappoint today. Um, he's not able to be with us today. And that's a sad thing, but we always acknowledge that our experts uh, sometimes get called away. But he will be on. We will set a new date, and I will let you guys know what the new date is. I promise, promise, promise. And don't forget, there's the playlist that has all kinds of things. Kyra, so thrilled that you are here this morning. Uh, well, Denise, thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you being here for, for me as well. Uh, Mohib, uh, we're again, so happy that you're here and thank you for, for boosting me up today. I, we, we do appreciate that. So, uh, but feel free to be writing in your questions. I, I am still here. Denise, if I had known you were available, I would have asked you to step in this morning. (laughs) So, uh we should have you on the show. Are you kidding me? That would be a really fun thing. Let's let's make sure that we do that at some point. Um but there's a lot of news that I want to cover this morning too, but let me let me start with this. That we're live right now. You guys can be writing in. Traven's going to show you Uh, all the different ways that you can connect with us, uh, all the different ways that you can be watching us live. Don't forget that we're a podcast too. It is a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are the number one rated autism podcast, and that is because of you, because you guys have written in, you've liked us, you've shared us, you've reviewed us on iTunes. I, I can't say enough that that's like the highest compliment that you can give a podcast. If you review us on iTunes, it is the number one thing that helps us get to more viewers just saying, um, if you wanted to help us out in that way, American Amy, hello. So thrilled to have you again with us this morning. we got a lot that we're going to talk about today and a lot that I'm going to want to hear from you guys, but I also want to know where you're at, what you're doing, what's kicking your can, those kinds of things. Yes. We, uh, I, I always like to give the, oh, S sharp. Good morning. Um, Uh, Have you heard of any good references if you think of placing a child in a homeschool for high school? Actually, uh, yes. We've talked about this before on the show. I will tell you that we have many friends that needed to do the homeschool thing for high school, either for part or all of it. And each state has different programs. We had Rachel Bird on recently. She's the mom of Kobe Bird, the actor who is featured in Lock and Key and on a good doctor and speechless, wonderful young man, really good friend of the family. And um, Kobe went to uh, high school, homeschool uh, with a very specific program. And Rachel speaks very lovingly about that. Uh, You can find her on Instagram at uh, small kitchen, big flavor and ask her for recommendations for that. And I will reach out to her as well. Uh, hello, LinkedIn user, uh, who says that they're new. Thanks for doing this. We've been doing this for 10 years. So I appreciate your appreciation. (laughs) We've been here for a hot minute. Liana, uh, good morning from community access center in Riverside. We're so thrilled that you're here. So keep on writing in you guys. We love that you're here. We appreciate you guys being here, but sometimes the homeschool thing is a really good option, especially if we have kiddos who have sensory issues if there's been some sort of trauma at high school, um, you know, there's a million reasons. Uh, You know, some people say, listen, we know we're working on the socialization piece, but there's also education. And if the socialization piece is hurting the education, let's go to a one-on-one situation and and learn one-on-one. But here's the important part is that you have to make sure that you're working on the socialization in another arena. Um, so that that opportunity is given American Amy says homeschool is an excellent option for all parents, not just those on the spectrum. And that is your humble opinion. I agree. Um, American Amy, as someone who used to teach high school, I think there's a lot of things that go on in high school that maybe aren't as productive as we would like to think, you know, there's a lot of craziness. A lot of it is survival, um, in some high schools. And I don't think we need to put our kids through that, but then there are other high school experiences where that is not the case. Uh, my son was at a high school and, you know, he ended up being homeschooled for a a good portion of it called COVID-19, uh, where he was doing online anyway, but he was in a, in a small school uh, that was, um, very inclusive and there was an opportunity for him to socialize. And I felt it was really good for that reason. Uh, Parker's got something to say about homeschooling. Uh the best homeschool program that I know is one run by the local college's autism program near me, uh Marshall University autism program. And they have a great homeschool program. A friend's son had to use it due to him assaulting staff and uh and that the high school wasn't really the right fit for him. He, well, I mean, yes, Uh, there's another example of when somebody gets to a point where they are so frustrated in a high school situation that they're having to hit other people, that would be an ideal time to be looking at other programs and, and homeschools and such. American Amy says now for children on the spectrum, they will be better off learning without being bullied. I think that we can say that across the board, right? I wish I could have been left alone and could have learned without people picking on me. Amen to that, American Amy. Uh, all of our, all everyone has the right to go and get an education and not be bullied. And yet, it is so common. It is so common. It's un, uh, uh unbelievable how common it is. Right, breaks my heart. Uh, Kyra says, my son is five. Uh, Now he was diagnosed with mild ASD when he was two years old. He was talking numbers, ABC rhymes, uh, give, take, yes, no, his own name. But suddenly since the last few months, he doesn't talk, um, anything. Can he talk again? Tyra, I, um, I, I'm going to give the asterisk first that I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to tell you that any time that there is regression of that sort of nature, I want you to make sure that you take him and have him evaluated by a medical doctor to see what's going on. Um, I don't want to scare you, but there are like, there's a long list of things that could be happening. Right. But on that list, there are some things that you want to make sure that a medical doctor is looking at this child. Um, because sometimes there are things that happen. As to whether or not he will talk again, I will tell you that we see everything under the sun, right? Sometimes when kids have regression and they were talking and now they're not, eventually they do talk again and some kids do not. I will tell you that the path that you want to take is first make sure that he's healthy, and then you want to be working with everybody that you can. If you're in a place where you can get good quality ABA, you want to start that as soon as possible. I would tell you to look at diet and that there are things that my son had been speaking in full sentences and then he gradually lost all of his language. We took milk and uh, anything that was dairy or milk or had casein in it out and we took gluten out. And the gluten um i don't i don 't know which one of them it was because we took them out staggered, but uh he started being able to learn new words and to speak again very slowly but it but it wasn 't like it just all came back. We needed to work with our aBA team and with speech therapists. It was a lot, but my son talks like endlessly now, and I love every single minute of it. Um, that is not every kiddo 's story. some do talk. And when they do, it's with a whole lot of consistent work and support and help. And others do not. And for those, it is essential that we teach them functional communication, that they have an iPad or something, a Dynavox, that they know sign language, something so that they can communicate their needs. That is a human right. For me, that's, that's not even an autism issue. That's a human rights issue that everyone needs to be able to communicate in the way that they can. Um, but everyone can learn functional communication. Uh, we, it just doesn't spring out. Uh, we have Mike Kipple with us. And Mike, I think you, you're somebody who like really changed my mind on this because I, I think there was a period of time when people were like, oh, I don't want you to give my child an iPad or a Dynavox or something like that because we're still working on speech. And then all the studies came out that said the best way to get to speech is to start with those things and that sometimes it will make, it will make it happen and make it happen faster. And Mike, you were on the show and talked about the fact that it's just cruel when someone does not have a way to communicate. And it really, I want you to know that resonated so hard with me, Mike, that it I, I, I will never think anything other than that. Now, uh, American Amy agrees that you need to go see a doctor. Alicia. Buenos dias. So thrilled that you are here. Um, but Amy wants you to know that you should have hope. And I do too, but let's get everything checked. Denise agrees. And Denise is an expert. So um, there we go. And Amy agrees. Yes. Human rights. uh, Everyone needs a voice. Amanda brights in the house with her blue hearts. So, so happy. And American Amy says it doesn't have to be verbal. Amen to that. Uh, When I, on this journey, I've learned so many things. And when somebody pointed out to me that even when people have, vocal communication, that the vocal part of it is only like 18% of what our communication is. I mean, look at me right now. I'm making hand gestures. I'm doing things with my face. I'm doing things with my eyebrows. I'm doing things with my lips that are communicating to you what it is that I mean. Um, There's a whole lot of communication that happens that is not vocal. The vast majority of communication is not vocal. Yes, we like vocal communication because it's fast and Um, we say it's easier to interpret, not always. Right. So we need to honor all forms of communication. I am one you're here. I'm so happy for that. Hey, we need to get to the jargon of the day and then we're going to cover some news, but I love your questions. Keep them coming in. All right. So at the start of the show on Monday, we always like to start with the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey nanny nanny are the experts talking about? Why are they talking about it? What does it have to do with us? What's the dealy wheelie? Uh we I always say that in the beginning when people would use jargon, I would lose my mind. I would go, do you not see that I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed? And I asked you a question and you're answering it with more jargon. I got to get out a dictionary. And these phrases aren't even in the dictionary. Um, then over time I learned, Oh, when I learn these things, I'm more productive at the thing that I want most, which is to be a, a good caring ally and parent to my child. So we take it a little bit at a time. Um, And this jargon was sort of handpicked to be uh, here with Dr. Tarbox in case I get caught in any sticky branches with it. I I don't think we've ever actually done this term. We've done something akin to it. Um, So this is, oh, Cairo, we're praying for your son. Just want you to know that. All of us are. So uh, apparently we've only ever done extinction burst before on the show because this is the hard one. I think we can all admit this is the one where we all get a little tripped up. And it starts with, first of all, extinction. I, I remember when somebody started talking about extinction to me and I was like, dinosaurs? Are we talking about dinosaurs? We are not talking about dinosaurs. Um, so let's, uh, we're going to give you first the actual definition. I may or may not make fun of that. Then I'm going to give you a working definition and we're going we're to break this sucker down. All right? Because we're going to leave here having an understanding. All right. And if you don't, I want you, I want you to know it's not because of you. It's because I my teaching method will have failed. But let's see if we can do this. All right. So extinction. When we're talking about ABA and behavior treatment and autism, what are we talking about? Extinction is a procedure in which reinforcement of previously reinforced behavior is discontinued. As a result, occurrences of that behavior decrease in the future. And that's from Cooper, Heron, and Hayward. Uh, that we like to quote from time to time, great, if somebody says to you we're gonna your three year old is spitting, and we're gonna put that on extinction because that's the phrase that they use all the time. we're gonna put that on extinction, and you don't and you don't know what extinction is, and you go look this up in the dictionary, thanks to Cooper heron and Hayward um yeah, I don't think you have any closer idea to knowing what it is that you're supposed to do and how this may help your child. In fact, I think it sends a shiver down your spine and you go, you're going to put my child on extinction. I think that this is where we get into a lot of problems is that people take this entire because I I don't, do you, it's not, is it not just me? I think dinosaurs. Um, and I don't want my child to be extinct, right? This is not at all what it's talking about. So let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't shed some light here on what extinction is. Now, this does require a little bit of uh, pre-work, right? But extinction is figuring out what the paycheck is for a behavior and then stopping the paycheck. So if the child is spitting, let's say that we identify that there is a behavior that is in some way not helpful. I don't even want to say challenging behavior because it's like, well, challenging to who? Um, And let's talk about helpful to who. So if your child is spitting, what's the problem with that, first of all? Um, And and, and if I was talking to the parent, I'd be like, what is it about the spitting that's bothering you? Well, we're kind of in a pandemic. And so if you're going to be spitting, it's either going to be in the mask or on a surface and other kids, the teacher's not, you're not going to be considered safe to be in the classroom with other kids. You're certainly not going to be invited to things. It's going to become a health hazard problem. And we can't really be all that accepting of it. It's a problem if the child is going to be spitting in public. And what we want to do is is not say, you can never spit in public again, because there are reasons and times in which you would spit in public. If somebody gives you something and you put it in your mouth and you realize that you're allergic to it, we want you to spit it out. So we're not going to take a hard, hard line on this um, and say the person can never spit. But if the person is spitting on a regular basis, guess what? Something else is going on. Because you don't just spit all the time. There's something going on. Now, is it because the child is having saliva build up in their mouth because, and they don't want to swallow because they have a sore throat, well, then we would want to deal with the sore throat, right? Is it because, uh, and by the way, the, think about this in terms of we're looking at what the function is, right? So if they're doing it because they have saliva building up and they don't want to swallow, the paycheck is I get to relieve myself of this feeling of drowning, right? And what we would want to do is find a better, first, we would deal with the sore throat so that they could swallow and then teach them how to swallow and reward them, right? Um, But sometimes um, maybe there was just like one moment where they had a lot of spit or they saw somebody else spit and they spit and now they like the feeling of spitting. They like it because they want to see the arc or they like it because the colors that hit the sun on the spit while they go makes it or they spit and mom was like don't do that and she did this very animated face and they're like I kind of want to see that animated face again because I'm bored there's a million and eight reasons why someone would spit an extinction is for whatever behaviors if you're a skier an olympic skier and you're going down the mountain, but you keep doing the same thing where your ankle turns at this thing and your ski pops off and you're not winning your competitions, we would want to look at that and go, why is that happening? Why, are, why do you continually do that thing with your with your ankle? Because you're doing it for a reason. You're not just randomly doing it. You're, you've done it over and over. So you're doing it for a reason. Why? And can we compensate in some other way so that you can get the thing you need as the skier, but not have your ski pop off? Okay. So this is not just for autism. This is a procedure where you say this behavior is not serving the purpose that is, is useful to this individual. What is the paycheck for this? And then what we want to do is separate the paycheck from the behavior. So if you are doing something because you're getting attention for it, then what I'm going to ask you guys, what would we do to cut you off from the paycheck? If the paycheck is is attention and people laughing, how could we potentially make that stop happening? Well, we would try to not give you attention for it. We would try not to laugh. Now be careful here. Because when we say not pay attention to it, I think what people hear is ignore the child. There is so much difference between ignore the behavior and ignore the child. So let's say that my son has discovered that throwing his cereal is hilarious because mom comes over, picks it up, and makes all these noises while she's picking it up, then throws it away, and then I throw more more cereal and... Uh, it's Netflix for me as a toddler. Mom comes over and she keeps picking up the cereal. Now I have a paycheck for it. So my life isn't that big. I like it. I enjoy watching mom have bend over and make the noises. I'm going to keep doing it. That's my paycheck. So now we identify that behavior and we, first of all, we realize, oh, this child needs a little bit more attention. In fact, That, you know, this child needs something more exciting to happen because part of it is that they're bored, right? So one of the first things that we would do is before we give him the cereal is we would give him all this attention, all this wonderful attention, right? Are you with me so far? Then uh, if he goes and he throws the cereal, we're going to look away and be busy pouring orange juice into the cup and doing whatever and talking to ourselves, And we're not going to go over and pick up the cereal. I am ignoring the behavior. I'm still with the child. I'm sitting there with them. I'm just busying myself. Maybe I grab a cloth and I'm cleaning something off. I am not ignoring the child. I am ignoring the behavior. And he, and you know what will happen? He will pick up the whole cereal bowl and he will throw it because where, where did my reaction go? That's the extinction burst. I want the reaction that I was getting when I, when I got the cereal and I'm just busy. I'm not ignoring the child. I'm like, oh, look at this. Oh, and I'm just not dialed in to the behavior, but I'm still here with the child. And then I'll wait. And, um, and if, if the behavior doesn't happen for a couple of seconds, I might, uh, say, Oh, do you want some juice? And now I'm still talking to the child. I'm just not talking about the behavior. I'm not doing that. Charlie Brown. You'll just throw your cereal again. You know that mama doesn't like it when I know I do that. Got to, got to, no, no attention to the behavior, but I can still be paying attention to the child. I, uh, I, I want to make sure though that it's at least a few seconds between, you know, uh, and it's really a feel it out kind of thing because he's going to throw the cereal, and I just don't want to connect any attention that I'm giving him to the cereal. But, I, but you know, that he threw the cereal, he's looking, looking, looking for the behavior. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. I might count to ten or twenty, and then I go, "Do you want juice?" But I don't say anything about the behavior. Um, and that way the child learns, oh, I don't get the paycheck for that that I used to. I don't get the paycheck. So now I have no reason to do it. Now that's when it's attention. There are many reasons for why we do things. And attention is just one of them. So the key here, because a lot of people go, oh, extinction. That's when I ignore my child. And I go, Pfft. No, that is not when you ignore your child. Extinction is what was the function of the behavior, and then I give them the opposite. So you did it for attention. I'm busy doing something else. You did it um, a lot of times, uh, things will happen because they want to get out of something. I've told the story endless times of my son uh, when he would sit down to do homework. He didn't want to do it. And so he would take his pencil, and he would, one time, he dropped his pencil. And then he had to get down on the floor to get it. And he realized this works. She busies herself with something else and I got a break. He, you know, he's on the floor with the pencil and just takes time. He's feeling the carpet, whatever, because he didn't want to do the homework. And my team said, ah, we got to put, so then he started throwing his pencil on the floor deliberately, right? Because it worked and he's smart. And the team said, all right, we got to put this on extinction. The throwing the pencil on the floor is the, the function of it is escape. So we're going to give him the complete opposite of that, which means we're not going to let him get out of the homework for even a millisecond. So my team said to me, sharpen up a bunch of pencils, get a big cup of pencils and put them in a place where he can't get at them. And when he threw, it took two of us, he would throw the pencil and I I would take another pencil and have it ready. And the pencil would go right back in his hand and we would continue like gently prompting his hand writing. And he was like, what's happening? And he flung himself to the floor and we immediately went to the floor with the pencils and the paper, stuck the paper underneath his hand. We're still guiding his hand. None of it was like, you know, it was kind of almost like a game. Um, it, it wasn't harsh. Nobody was hurting him, but we just kept a pencil in his hand, and his hand moving the whole time. And he quickly learned, oh, throwing the pencil on the ground does not get me out of homework. At the same time, we were teaching him, when you want a break, say, I need a break. And that then we would set a timer and he would get a 10 minute break. But we also taught him that the more breaks you take, the longer it is before you get to the video games after you're done with your homework. So that he began to realize if I want a break, I can take one, but then it's the break makes it further away from the reward. So extinction, I think of it as like cutting off the oxygen from the fire. So the first part before you implement an extinction, you have to know what the function is. And if you don't know what the function is, you really run the risk of of causing damage. So this is why I always encourage you to be working with an expert. And, and if you don't have an expert that's there, I encourage you to have another set of eyes on it because it's very hard to see what the function of the behavior is when you're in the behavior with your child. Does that make sense? Um, American Amy says, ignore the behavior, not the child. I like it. I like that you like that because that is the, just like the whole thing for me. And this is where a lot of parents get tripped up. I don't know who started this meme that extinction means ignore. It doesn't. It only means ignore, um, and and when and we're talking about ignore the behavior, not the child. When attention was the function, my son used to do things because he's a comedian, and we'd be sitting there with the therapist. And back then, the therapists all had iPad or not iPads, uh, clipboards was before the iPads. That's how old I am. And they, you know, we'd be there with a therapist and my son would do something that would crack us all up. And you would see the clipboards come up so that they could not see, he could not see them smiling. They didn't leave the room. They didn't ignore him. They just went like this as they, and you would see their shoulders going up and down and you would know that he had cracked them up. But they didn't allow him to see that because then he would have done the behavior 39 more times and a lot of times the behavior was not what was in his best interest if we're talking about learning, right? Um, Parker says, uh, like the bedtime tags. Yeah, that's a way of putting getting out of bed a million times uh, on extinction. Uh, we don't ever, first of all, let's just make sure that we're, we're dealing with this because if if Jonathan Tarbox were here, he would be saying, let's make sure, first of all, we put it through the filter. Is this really a behavior that we need to change? First. First. Um, because you being uncomfortable with the behavior is not just a reason to to put a behavior on extinction, right? We really have to stop and say, for this individual, is this causing problems that are you know in other areas? And if a child is getting out of bed a million times in a night... They're not, they're not going to be as productive the next day because they're tired. And we do have to think about, um, our needs a little bit that, you know, we need to get to a place where they have the autonomy to put themselves to bed and to sleep and for it to not be traumatic for them. Yes. But we also, for the good of the family, we need to get rest too. Said the woman who came close to crashing her car because her child wouldn't sleep at night. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Um, so, um, in any case. Uh, what we do is we we look at what is the function of why are they getting out of bed? It's not the same for all kids, right? And for some kids, um, it could be anxiety or it could be uh, that they're craving that attention, whatever. Um, So sometimes the bedtime pass works on extinction because what it does is it gives them an opportunity to have a certain number of times that they get out of bed. And what we find is, especially with the kids who have anxiety, they want to know that they can get out of bed, um, but we just don't want it to go on endlessly. So we will set a baseline and say, you can have five times. You can get up out of bed five times. Um, and, And knowing that they're allowed to get out of bed five times, they will start to hoard the passes. They won't get up 13 times. They'll get up up three times and they'll hoard those last two in case they need them in the night. And it helps them to deal with their anxiety and regulate for themselves. Okay. we got a bunch of comments here. Uh, so, um, Yes, S Shark says for our, our friend who wrote in about her child who's no who's not speaking, Lord help any through this marathon with her son. Give strength and hope in Jesus' name. And thank you, S Shark, for that. I am one. As soon as I walk into a room, people people notice something off about me very quickly or different, and the hating comes. I think you haven't found your right people yet, I am one. I don't know where you live, but I'd like to help you to find your people because um the rooms that I walk into, you would be welcome and accepted. Uh, Um, okay. Um, oh, lots of, I can't, I can't get to all these comments. Thank you. Um, but they, I'll keep monitoring them and keep writing in. Okay. So do we understand that extinction, it's the process that we go through to stop feeding a behavior with whatever the reward was after we have determined that Couple of things. First of all, that the behavior is not of benefit to the individual, right? That it would be a benefit for them to not have to do this behavior, but we're never taking a behavior completely out. We're, you know, because we don't want to be that black and white with it. We're also teaching skills, first of all, for them to be able to get the need met another way, right? But then we are not giving the reward for that behavior anymore. We're getting the opposite. So if what they wanted was attention for the behavior, we do not attend to the behavior, which is different than not attending to the person. Uh, If what they wanted was to escape, we do not allow them to escape. We teach them another way to ask for a break. Yeah. Uh, Okay. It's hardest when it's a sensory issue. But let me, let me say this before we move on. If they're doing it for a sensory reason, we don't just take it away. We teach them another way to get that sensory need met. And that is the way that we do that. Okay. Moving on. We always have a question of the day for you guys. Um, And the question we all, uh, I was just looking at, uh, thank you, Amy, for saying we do have to take care of ourselves as well as parents, because we're no good to anybody if we don't. Uh, You can write in your answer to this question online, um, any of the places that we're live. Uh, What part of your life would you like to change? Because if we're going to talk about extinction and we're going to talk about it for individuals who are on the autism spectrum, uh, let's talk about it for ourselves. Is there a part of your life that isn't working? And have we taken a second to look at it and say, especially if you're like, smoking is the easy one, right? There are still people who smoke. Why do people smoke? Even though we know for sure it's bad for you, it's bad for the environment. Why do people smoke? Well, they smoke because there's a paycheck in it. And, and the paycheck is different for everyone. I used to be a smoker many, 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 many years ago, and I was a chain smoker because I was nervous and it it gave me something to do i 'm awkward with my hands. Have you noticed um, it gave me something to do with my hands while I was talking. If you talk to friends from college, they have this impersonation that they do of me where I would push up my sleeves and I would have my cigarette, and it was I would be you know gesturing like mad with my cigarette, and it was part of my identity. Um, and I will also tell you that I don't think I actively knew how to take a deep breath. And when you smoke, you take a deep breath. And so there were those two paychecks and it wasn't until I didn't think of it this way at the time, but it wasn't until I could solve those other two things that I was successful at stopping smoking a million and eight years ago. Um, so if you, if there's some part of yourself or your life that you would like to change, it's interesting to look at it and go, okay well what is what is the behavior that I'm doing? What are the circumstances that I'm doing it in, and what's my paycheck for doing it? And then, is there a different way for me to get that paycheck? How can I get that paycheck in a different way? Um, and when you start thinking like that, it's very interesting. I, I know we've talked about this before. Many of you, uh, we've, we've talked about um, Noom, the, the new weight loss app. Uh, Noom is all ABA, and this is exactly what it's about. It says to you, you, it says the behavior is that you are not eating in the amounts and the times that would be beneficial for you. So let's take a look at why. And it's not the same for everybody. People eat for different reasons, and Noom helps you to identify what are your triggers, what what causes you to eat more than you should, or eat at a different time that you should, and then it helps you to deal with those things in a way that gets your needs met in a different way. It's all ABA, and it's putting that behavior on extinction. Um, I am one says I would uh, I would change never having autism. I am sorry that you feel that way. And I want to introduce you to a bunch of people who feel completely different about that, Uh, that you, I love, I love your name. I am one, I am one. That is exactly what you are. You are one, you are perfect. If people don't get you, those aren't your people. Um, but you're lovely. Uh, and we just need to meet, have you meet more people who get you. That's all. That's all. Uh, Parker says that he'd love to be more independent. Uh, I'd love to be able to drive a car, for example. And, uh, you know, Parker, I don't know what your circumstances are. And Parker says that they, uh, for one love having autism and that's where we want to get you. I am one to the place where you accept you and all your wonderful gloriousness and that what other people think, is sometimes hurtful and harmful, but it it isn't, it isn't what makes you, you. No one, no one can take away from you who you are unless we let them. And sometimes we all do, but let's, let's shore you up so that you don't have to. But Parker, there are lots of, uh, ways to learn how to drive and more, uh, than ever for people that are on the spectrum because they're using a lot of VR technology. So if you really want it, Um, it's possible that it's out there for you. I can't know your full circumstances, but, um, there was one, uh, guest that we've had on the show many years ago, Liz Becker. She wrote the book, the world, Matt, her son, Matt, who is on the spectrum with significant challenges. And when we first met Liz Becker, her son wanted to live independently. And everyone, everyone told her that that was not going to be a possibility, that he had too many challenges. He needed too much support. She took an entire decade and said, well, let's chart it out. What does he need to know? What does he need to be able to do? What would it take for him to be comfortable, for me to be comfortable, for him to be safe? And they systematically started working on those things. It took a decade, 10 years. It took 10 years. He lives independently now. He, uh, it's independent with an asterisk that he has a pull line so that if he needs help, he can pull it. And they know to come and help him immediately, but he lives independently now. So when you want something, let's, I'm all about, let's figure out the way to do it. And if you start by looking at it and going, what's, what is the thing I want? What's in the way? Uh, how can we change that? Then all things are possible. I believe that. All right, moving on. We always have a topic of the week. And, uh, we didn't expect to have as much time to talk about it today. Um, but we, we, uh, and we do have news stories that we have to cover here in just a second, but this is a very important topic for me. The difference between teaching versus changing. And, um, I want everybody to know that when I'm talking about ABA, I'm talking about teaching. That's what I'm talking about, that ABA is considered the world's most efficient, most effective teaching tool, teaching method. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. There are a lot of people that that uh, I think have taken ABA and misunderstood the finer points of it, <clears throat> excuse me, and that makes me sad and angry. And I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a part of a, excuse me, group of people working on that so that both the people inside and outside of ABA understand what the principles of ABA, ABA are. And I know I talk about this way too much, but it's important to me because, um, of this teaching versus changing. When, when we talk about, you know, I, I was just saying to, I am one, you're perfect and you're wonderful and, uh, you're absolutely fabulous. But like all human beings on this planet, we all have things that we can work on. We all have things that we want, we all have things that we desire to be able to do that we don't currently know how to do. That's just a baseline for everybody. But then we start looking at what our individual challenges are. My I'm I'm was raised by a mom who was born with both of her feet backwards. She was club foot on both feet they had as a baby. They broke both of her legs and turned her feet around and she was in um like full leg um what I'm trying, uh, braces, braces is the word I want her entire time growing up. She learned how to walk in braces. My mother never, ever, ever in her life was able to run. And that was one of the things that she most wanted to do on her deathbed. She said, I'm going to go be with your dad and I'm going to run and I'm going to dance. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot stop you from doing that. Please, you know, do that with joy. Uh, but but for me, growing up with a person who faced those physical challenges, I was always taught that um, you are who you are and you're perfect the way you are, but we're all striving. And everybody's challenges are different and that it's important to take that into consideration when if something is easy for you, hallelujah, amen, um, that's a pretty fabulous thing. It doesn't mean that it's easy for everybody else. It doesn't mean that they can't do it though. But if it takes you one, try, like look at Wordle, we're all playing Wordle right now, right? And you get six tries and, you know, some people get it in the first one and the second one, some people get it at six, some people are struggling to get it at six, right? And different days, different different words, different challenges, right? So everybody's challenges are different, but, but for me, it is ingrained in me that there is always, always the human spirit to be able to strive. And that everybody has the right to learn what they want to learn. It's the, the the teacher in my soul says, "You want it, let's teach you." And and if and if the way that we're teaching you isn't working, then let's change the way we're teaching. And and I believe that. And that's that didn't come from me. That that in terms of autism is a quote from Ivar Lovas. Now, every quote that Lova said was not that perfect and that not, not that inclusive, but that one is, and I cling to that one. If If what we're teaching isn't working, then let's change how we're teaching. Yeah? So that does not mean changing someone. So I know that a lot of people go, I don't want to be changed. I don't want you to be changed either. But if I'm going to go, I, I'm now big into K-drama. I've watched one K-drama and I've gone, I'm gone completely crazy. And I'm seriously looking at uh, doing an online uh, Korean language class because I'd like, I want to learn Korean. Never in my life before did I go, oh, you know, I, I'd like to do that in my spare time. And now suddenly this week, I'm like, I would like to learn Korean. How do I even start, right? Um, that's not going to change me. I'm still going to be who I was last week. Learning Korean is not going to make me any less who I was last week. It's actually going to make me more because I'm going to have one more skill or part of a skill because let's not say that I'm totally going to learn it. Uh, the word game I mentioned was Wordle. If you haven't played Wordle, Google Wordle, New York times. It's all the craze right now. We're all doing it. Um, And I am one says, I just want to live my best life before I die seriously. Yes, that's what we're talking about. So I am one. I don't want to change a hair on your head. I don't want to change anything about you. But as a teacher, I think that there's all kinds of things that you can learn that will help you to be able to look at the world the way you want to. To take things that people try to hang on you that you don't need and go, not my problem. That's your problem. And that anything that you're struggling with, that there, I think that there are ways to teach you how to do it at least incrementally in a way that is better for you. So that's what I'm talking about, you guys. I'm talking about teaching versus changing. No, if you are joining us and you have a child on the spectrum who's five, I think if you're just thinking in terms of this, because we don't want to change who your child is who your child is, is fundamentally there. Right. But, but if we care about someone, we're not going to stop teaching them. For me, this is, this is really the, the seriousness of everything. Uh, yes. Um, and, and I love that S shark says, yes, I am one. You can do that. Um, uh, yeah, there we go. I love that you guys are right again and talking to I am one about, um, the positives of being who you are. Uh, that's an amazing thing. So anyway, here on the show, we're talking about teaching, not changing. Uh, that's really uh, what we're doing here. Okay. So I mentioned that we were supposed to have... Look, at we've only got 15 minutes left. Where does the time go? We were supposed to have Dr. Jonathan Tarbox on, and he was called away, and that's a bummer. And we will have him on again, but again... Uh, please go watch on the playlist to see some of the things that Dr. Tarbox says, because he's really, really wonderful. But there were two nose stories that came to my attention over the weekend that I felt bared, uh, bore, Talking about. Uh, so, the first one I think that we're going to talk about, there's uh, it, this is actually not a news story, but it became a news story over the weekend because the singer Jewel uh, did an interview and said some things that um, caught some people's attention. She uh, said that she actually had predicted the tragic death of the CEO of the company Zappos, Tony. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Say? uh, I don't, I'm not even going to try to mangle it. Um, but anyway, this is a little bit of a fascinating read, um, and a cautionary tale. So here is this, uh, very inventive and fabulous young man who created not just a website to sell shoes. He created a culture. He created a culture for people to come and be at work and, and look at work in a different way that changed an entire generation. He said, it makes you happier to be here with your pet, bring your pet. Um, When he would interview people, he would say, uh, you know, he prized being weird, as he called it. And he would say, how weird are you on a scale of one to 10? Because if you weren't weird enough, he didn't want to work with you because he looked at himself and he said, I'm what society calls weird. Um, And he decided that he was going to embrace that. And that part of Tony we celebrate and love in the course of all that Tony found people who looked at the world differently as well to a burning man event. And for the never done a burning man event, it's, uh, uh there's like two cultures at burning man. There's this free freedom, be yourself, celebrate the inner you. And there's also a drug culture there. But there is a togetherness culture. It's a very social event. Um, And Tony went to it and he had struggled with social issues his whole life. And part of the reason why we're talking about this on Autism Live is that he revealed to close friends that he believed himself to be on the spectrum. And everybody sort of poo pooed that. And he never really got, to our knowledge, he never got an actual diagnosis. But from what we know from the things that Tony has told people, he felt that he didn't fit in and that he was different and that he was odd and that he didn't know how to connect socially. Then he goes to Burning Man as a young man who was doing quite well and making money. And he apparently, you know, participated in some of the allegedly participated in some of the drug use and he discovered his people. And Unfortunately, he paired those th- two things together. He was like, I have found my people and I found socialization and um, he found drug use with that. Allegedly, this is what we're told. Um, I I find this so sad because I know many people who go to Burning Man and who do not partake in substances and, and are still able to enjoy the socialization. It is not a prerequisite to have to do the drugs. So I'm sorry that for Tony, it appears in his mind, he was like, ah, this togetherness that I've sought my entire life, it's here with drugs. He built an entire culture. He took part of Las Vegas and created like a Burning Man compound for people to live with him and, and live in this very special way. Now, unfortunately, you know we all say, oh, I wish I had endless money and I wish that my kid had endless money. But unfortunately, with money comes other things, too and i fear that many of the people that tony surrounded himself did not have his best interest at heart but were kind of there for the money from what it sounds like and i'm surely not all of them i'm hoping not but tony then became in covid according to this article from jewel he became fascinated with fire indoors and had fire all burning live fire all over his house Uh, because he felt that that was part of the Burning Man, because fire is a big symbol there. But he had it indoors, and she came and visited and expressed caution. And he at least conveyed to her that the isolation of COVID was causing him to have lots of repetitive thoughts and, um, that he was not in a good space before she left. She tried to encourage the people around him and say, you're, you you do not have his best interest at heart. He needs help. This has crossed over into a place where he is no longer mentally healthy, um, which is easy enough to do. Right. Um, and unfortunately within a couple of months after she left and said, she said to all of them, if you, if you don't, she tried to convince him to leave with her. You can't make people do things that they don't want to do. And he had people around him to insulate him from what she was saying he needed from help. And in any case, within a couple of months, he died um, from asphyxiation in a fire in a very small room. And so the smoke asphyxiated him and um, obviously something that was totally preventable and something that had to do with mental illness. And the reason why I'm bringing up this story is because, first of all, it's in the news right now and that, and that people are saying, well, you know, apparently he considered himself to be on the spectrum. I don't diagnose. I don't have the credentials to diagnose. I don't know whether he was on the spectrum or not, but I honor the fact that he felt like he might be. But I want to say that diagnosis or not, that when it's very easy, to, especially in hard times, to get into a repetitive thought groove. Um, where you need something to be comforted. And if you can't have it, it feels like death. I have been there. And um, it is important that we all acknowledge it for ourselves and for our loved ones that this is when help is needed. And it's so hard. Because sometimes people won't take the help. And I felt prompted today to say to you guys that there is something when you feel that there's nothing else that can be done. It's a scary thing to do. But you can, if, if someone is an adult and they won't take help and you are in fear for their life, you can um, call local authorities and you can ask for a well check. Uh, but here's the thing. And the reason why a lot of people don't do it is because when you ask for a well check, they will come unannounced. Sometimes it is the police. Sometimes it is the fire department. Sometimes it's a social worker. You don't know, and you don't have control. They will come, they will knock on the door and they will not relent until they are able to see the person and see that they are okay. And that they're not being harmed. If they suspect that anything that's happening is not okay, okay here's what's hard. You don't have control over what happens. And you know, as well as I do that it's not a level playing field, that sometimes the people who come to the door, there's the potential for them to make it worse. And you have to know that. Um, but, um, the, you know, if you feel that it's like loss of life, you know, there is that option to do. Um, so I love that you guys are talking in the chat about how to connect with more people. I do want to tell you, um, wrong In fact, I'm going to type it into the, uh, our dear friend, Alex Plank who when he was 16 was not finding friends who were, uh, on the spectrum and he was like where are all the people like me so he created a website wrongplanet.net and you will find your people there uh so I want to encourage you uh to check out wrongplanet.net um uh, in any case cautionary tale i'm so sad that this incredibly talented visionary um in covid starved from the thing that he had discovered, which was social interaction struggled so hard. Um, I also want to say that people are poo pooing and saying, well, he craved social interaction, which means by definition, he is not on the spectrum and those are people who do not understand and have not really read the diagnosis. Um, there's nothing in autism that says you don't want it. It says that you are having difficulty with social interaction. That doesn't mean you don't want it. And I, I've seen it many times that once people on the spectrum have had some social interaction, they very much want it. Um, so, uh, please, please, please. Um, if you need help, get help. Um, Yeah. Um, I, I'm not, I, I see that you guys are handling things in the, the chat. Uh, I'm not really sure everything that I'm seeing here, but please, 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 if you need help, get help. If you don't know where to get help, will you do me a favor and will you write to me Shannon at autism live.com and I'll do everything I can to help you to get the help that you need. Yeah. Um, but I don't know where you are. Um, oh, Amy is saying, please don't do welfare checks. Amy, that's why I said all the cautions because, it's but but when you feel that you have no other avenue um it is often the result is not good, and you won't be happy with what happens. but if you are leaving feeling like the person is gonna die um, <clears throat> well, let's leave it at that because i don't I don't have anything else in my bag of tricks uh other than that um but i I'm giving the asterisk that it can be a very you, and you don't have control over it once you do that. So don't, don't use it, um, unless it's dire, dire, dire. And even then Amy says maybe something else. Um, I, I understand why you're saying that Amy, but I don't know what else, uh, to say. Uh, the other story that, and we, we literally have three minutes left. Um, I know, I know, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, Amy, it's very hard um but i don't know what else you can do uh when when people are are uh, when it's come to self harm um uh, if you can think of anything else to do please tell me okay our last story is another one that's not going to leave a good taste in your mouth, but we have a story of a high school principal uh excuse me vice principal assistant principal um and I don't know that it's high school it might be a all grades um uh he was on call because a teacher was supposed to read a book on Skype to the second graders. They were learning online and they were someone was supposed to read a book to the second graders. That person last minute was not available to do it and asked for help for someone to read something. And he went to his bookshelf for his kids' stories, storybooks, and pulled down a book that's called, I Need a New Butt." Now, I have not read I Need a New Butt, so I only know what I'm told about it. But it's one of those books that appears to me to be like, we used to have a book. um, There were two that somebody had given us at our baby shower. And one of them was uh, the, The Holes in Your Nose. And the other one was The Gas You Pass. Right? They're very frank books that take a very funny look at things that our bodily functions. Um, And in this book, there is a discussion about how this child discovers that there is a crack in their butt. And so they must, there must be something wrong. It must be broken. And so they must get another one. What I hear is that it's hilarious and that the second graders who read that he read the book to laughed hysterically, uh, paid attention, learned from the lesson And, uh, kind of like Captain Underpants, uh, Parker. Anyway, he read this book to them. And then within a short period of time, he got called into the office and was told that he was being put on probation for having read questionable material to the second graders. And then I guess a couple of days later, he was fired, fired, um, and, uh, is devastated this is a dad who has three children, two of whom are on the autism spectrum. And so I, I, he's appealing this and I assume getting a lawyer. Um, And the thing that's particularly tragic to me is that parents and grandparents have written in and said how much the kids loved it, how much they love him, how amazing he is. And I, I just can't, help but think, you know, there are some really amazing people walking around on this planet who are teachers and who care about teaching methods. And maybe everybody isn't, doesn't. I don't know uh, whether the book was questionable or not. Um, and I don't, I don't know who it was that had the problem with it, but I just don't think you, no matter what, I don't think you fire a really good principle over a book that makes second graders laugh about the fact that they have a butt and that their butt has a crack in it and things come out of their butt and, you know, whatever. Uh, It is a children's book. Well, you know, Amanda, we live in a world in the time when everybody is like, we all have to be aligned on what the message is. I'm, everybody has a line. Everybody has a line about what they think is acceptable in the classroom, me and you included. Right. Um, And it's hard to know what the line is. You're talking to an ex school teacher and I can remember, There were books that I went to teach in the class, and I would get notes from home saying, you know, we went to read The Crucible, um, Arthur Miller's The Crucible, and I had students whose parents said, no, you have to come up with an alternative curriculum for this child during this period that you're going to teach this because we um, don't allow this subject matter to be covered, you know, and as a teacher, I had to accommodate that, right? Right. I wanted to teach uh, for, I I had a seventh grade English class and I wanted to read Harry Potter with them and was told that I could not, that too many parents would um, not be, that would not think that that was appropriate. I want to be respectful of everybody's uh, desires, but um, you know, it's hard. It's a hard climate in which to teach. So in any case, in this story, I see an amazing autism dad who is doing his level best to be a good educator. And I wanted to put it out to you guys because in the coming uh, weeks, we may be called upon to stand in support with this amazing autism dad, who's trying to be a good teacher, who's who clearly his intentions were good and remain good. So there we go. Uh, You know, and Parker says it's more than likely a religious thing. I was not allowed to read Harry Potter as a kid due to that reason and and as I said, uh, Parker, I want to be uh, I want to be respectful, and um, you know, so we didn't we didn't do Harry Potter, and um, the Crucible was on um, required reading. So, we continued to do the crucible, but I found a different play for that small group of students and I had to split the class into two um It's hard on a teacher it's really hard on a teacher uh uh Macy says I do believe his intentions were good also so uh if you see it online, <laughs> Amanda says we all have a butt though, but not everybody acknowledges it amanda uh so uh uh Yeah. They, they wouldn't allow me to teach the crucible to some of the kids. And, and I, I accepted that. I said, okay. uh, But it was on the required list that I needed to teach it because these were students, there were, it was in a class, an honors class where they were going to college. It was on the required reading list. But um, had to come up with a separate curriculum. So there we go. Uh, anyway, we're out of time. Uh, but I love all of you so much. Can I say how pleasant it has been spending this hour with you? I'm sorry that we didn't get to have Dr. Tarbox, but we will on another day. I promise. We'll, we'll, he has said he, he sent his apologies and he will do this on another day. But we'll be back tomorrow. I'm told that we do have Dr. Grand Pichet live tomorrow. Let's cross fingers that nothing a lot's going on and people get called away but supposedly we have dr grampy shay tomorrow and i've missed her i don't know about you so i look forward to that and then um on wednesday we have christian jacobson who's going to be with us an amazing parent who's all a part of that uh, september 24th project um teaching us all how to be safe at home and how to teach our kids how to be safe in a fire so that we don't have more tragedies um and we'll talk about that on Wednesday. So, um, I will see you guys tomorrow until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.